you use the term like laugh quotient. It's like once you can start turning this into math in a way where you're like, okay, no, that's like a five level joke. That's a seven level joke. That's a 10 level joke. And then be like, all your jokes need to be, or approach tens. You're yeah. at seven right now. Yeah. So cut down these words or like rethink that joke and start breaking it down and then put it all together. Like it's some type of Lego that I've just made. And now it's like, this set's now so much better than it ever could be. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the math the math of it <laughs> yeah. in some ways yeah. is a trick. You're tricking yourself mm-hmm. into doing artistic work that is hard. Yeah. It's actually harder than math homework. Yeah, it's harder like, than math homework. Like but, math homework's easy. Yeah. Math homework's a breeze compared to sitting down and being like, how do I feel about my dad? Yeah. <laughs> That is the voice of the great Gary Simons. I am so excited about this episode. We have been talking about doing this for a while. Gary Simons is a comedian who started at Georgetown, like like I did, uh, won the funniest person on campus contest, like I did, except 20 years later, and reached out to me a few years ago and said, hey, I do comedy, you do comedy, maybe we should talk. And now he works on the podcast in the last six months, at my club shows, he's been opening up the shows, and he's been great, killing, so good. But he, we decided, like, why don't we do an episode where literally he just asks all the questions that a new comedian who moved to New York two years ago would ask a comedian who's been working in New York for 20 years. What would those questions be? And maybe that's helpful for you. And that's And we just thought that would be a really fun thing to do. So that is what this episode is today. I love how it came out. Um, I should mention, I'm doing my new hour, 10 shows in Boston. We just added a ninth and 10th show in Boston. Get your tickets for that right away. 10 shows, completely absurd. Dream come true in my hometown of Boston. Um, I'm announcing several club dates in, in cities that I have not announced yet. The only way to find out to be the first to know because you sell out fast is to sign up for the mailing list on burbigs.com. If you go to tour dates at the bottom, it says sign up for the mailing list. You will be the first to know about some club dates where I'm working out new material for my tour. So um, all of those uh, you can find on burbigs.com. Enjoy my conversation with the great Gary Simons. Today we're here with Gary Simons, my friend, my uh, co-worker. You work mm. on the podcast. Yep. Uh, and for the last roughly nine months, my opening act during the Working It Out club shows. Yeah, nine months. That's crazy. What was the first one? The Columbus Theater in Rhode Island. And uh, I actually, I was always curious about this. When you asked me to open for you, and then it was the <laughs> night, like the first night where I was just going to do five minutes, I was... Like, I remember I was so stressed because I was like, I was, it wasn't that I was like, oh, am I going to do poorly or anything? I was, was more so concerned that like, if it didn't go great, yeah. that she would like afterwards be like, hey, so how about um we hold a beat on you opening? How about we hold on you opening for a second? Just for a while, you know? And I was like, oh, <laughs> were you worried? Like, were, like that first one, were you like, oh. I can't say hold a beat wasn't on deck in my brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely, of course, yeah, always when you work with someone new. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was a, I took a chance. I mean, I'm going to put this in context for people, mm-hmm. how we met yeah, and yeah, all yeah. this stuff, which yeah, is yeah. like, 
Gary and I, 22 years apart, won the funniest person on campus contest. I think for yeah. you, it was the funniest human. Yeah. It was the funniest person mm-hmm. at Georgetown University. Yeah. After you won that, you messaged me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to explain this to people. You messaged me on Instagram. Um, and said, hey, I want to meet you. I want to, mm-hmm. can we meet up? Could I possibly work for you? Could I, you yeah. know, anything. Yeah. Um, I'm saying this to discourage people from messaging <laughs> me on Instagram. Um, <laughs> don't, do, uh, don't do it, even don't though do it. it worked for Gary. And actually, our other one of our other producers on the show, Mabel Lewis, it actually worked for also. <laughs> and then, uh, so two of the people who work on the podcast are people who cold emailed or cold mm-hmm. messaged yeah. the company. In most cases, it, uh, it doesn't work because, as you know now, yeah, the amount of that 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 we see yeah. in the office every day is absurd. Yeah, I think about that and just like not even that you would like ignore it, but that it's like there's so much going on that it honestly like I'm like wow that was just like pure luck on a lot of ends. So we so we had this thought today mm-hmm. for working it out podcast, which was. We usually have seasoned comics. People have been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, come on, and we talk about craft. And yeah. I thought, well, Gary's been doing stand-up out, out of college for about a year or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what if mm-hmm. a new comic like Gary asks a seasoned comic like me just sort of anything that's on their mind? Mm-hmm. And like, what that would be maybe instructive because I would say a vast majority of people listening to the show a yeah. lot of them are creatives, and a lot of them who are comedians aren't comics who've been doing it 10, 20 years. Yeah. And, you know, I've been at it at this point 23 years, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so we thought maybe it would be helpful for you and I, who spend an extraordinary amount of time together. Yeah. And we're spending a ton of time together this fall, too, because we're going to do mm-hmm. club shows together in the fall, like DC and Philadelphia and Buffalo. Yeah. And you're killing, you're doing great. Not only are you doing great, but even like the other day on Instagram, you posted a clip from when you opened for me in Madison. Yeah. You got yeah. 12 million views. Yeah. That was intense. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, so that's what we're doing today. We're mm-hmm. cracking open. Okay, what does a new comic ask yeah. to a comic who's been doing it for a long time? Yeah, I'm curious. One of my first questions for you, um, trying to like get into the mind of like any comedian, like at any level, might be wondering, is that like you're Mike Birbiglia, you just graduated from Georgetown, you've been doing some stand up at the DC Improv, you come to New York, and you start out as like a now New York comedian. Yes, but when you first got here, like, what were some of like the mistakes? like kind of like mistakes in comedy that you had made? <laughs> what were some of the like Good things question. that you thought were like the best moves you could have made at that point? I think in hindsight, the mis- the mistake I made was this kind of like, I put my foot in my mouth a lot mm. with other comics. Yeah. I feel like sometimes- Like how so? Like <laughs> there's just a handful of times where like we talk about this on the Tom Papa episode mm-hmm. where you're just like asking people for so many favors. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and then you end up sometimes in these situations where you're not expressing enough appreciation for the favor mm-hmm. that you're asking, and and it just gets all really tangled up. The other yeah. side of that, we talk about that in the Tom Papa episode, is mm-hmm. when you're starting out, you have to ask for favors. Yeah, there's no way around it. Like the whole thing is a conundrum. And then what did I do? What did I do right? I think is. I said yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Like if there was a show 
on the Upper West Side where there was, uh, it was at a bar on a Monday night and there was six people in the audience, mm-hmm. I would do it. Yeah. And I would give it my heart and I wouldn't tell the audience that they stunk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't like, get upset. <laughs> I'm not going to come for you. I'm not, not going to come for the audience because yeah, they're yeah. not giving me the response I want. Yeah. Um. So that was good. And then also mm-hmm. just like, honestly, just like relentless, just trying, failing, trying, failing, mm-hmm. and just, and attempting to. It's funny because I've been watching the US Open lately. The reason I'm obsessed with tennis yeah. is it's such a head game. Yeah. And I think stand-up comedy is such a head game. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling it early on like that. It's like once you really start going like every day, just forcing yourself to go, whether you do well or don't, and just trying to make it objective, the the stand-up thing, which can feel very subjective, is like, oh, people laugh, that joke works, but actually doing it so much that you're now looking at it like, okay, that joke gets this amount of a laugh, it's at this level. You're doing it so much that you can now look at it from a whole different perspective, which I only got from you telling me, like, I think the thing like you need to do, Gary, is like just get more stage time. The, the doing it right, like what do you do right versus what you do wrong? It's like the doing it right is, I think, tenacity. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've heard this. This is not my piece of advice, but I think it's a smart piece of advice. Don't be afraid to share with people what your dream is. Yeah. Because the odds of people rooting for your dream mm-hmm. and helping you are higher than them <laughs> plotting against you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like most people aren't actually rooting for your downfall. Though it feels like that at times where you're like, oh, like that's why they didn't book me for that show. That's why they didn't reach out to me. It's like no one's actually thinking about no, you. No one and is. No one's thinking about me. It's just like, like just tell people that you want what you want and it's more well, likely people will give it. Well, that's the thing. And the downside is actually negligible. The mm-hmm. downside is you're embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not willing to be embarrassed when you're pursuing being a stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. good luck to you Yeah, in this profession. Because mm-hmm. I've been doing this 25 years. I feel embarrassed all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. all the time. Yeah. I do gigs where it's like some college where, like, nobody quite knows who I am or some corporate event where like literally no one knows who I am mm-hmm. and the audience doesn't really want to be there and it's like that's embarrassing yeah I'm up there doing my jokes that do really well on Broadway and they're <laughs> they're bombing yeah. you know what I mean it's embarrassing <laughs> it's like this works every other time so the inflection point was I said hey can you show me what your recent stand-up set is and I watched it and my note was and this is what you were referencing earlier mm-hmm. my note was oh yeah you just need stage time yeah because your jokes are fundamentally funny. They're based on funny observations, um, which is at the core of what stand-up comedians are. We're just observers. Yeah. And your stage presence is, like, charming, and and I like you. and, and it's you. And it's loose. Yeah. And, and it was just one of these things where it's like, I'm watching your set, and I'm just going, like, oh, you could cut, like, 30% of the words mm-hmm. in this. And if you did that, your laugh quotient would go up. Yeah. And you just need stage time to learn that for yourself. The term like laugh quotient, it's like once you can start turning 
this into math in a way where you're like, okay, no, that's like a five level joke. That's a seven level joke. That's a 10 level joke. And then be like, all your jokes need to be, or approach tens. You're yeah. at a seven right now. Yeah. So cut down these words or like rethink that joke and start breaking it down and then put it all together. Like it's a, some type of Lego that I've just made. And now it's like, this set's now so much better than it ever could be. Yeah, it's yeah. it's the math the math of it yeah. in some ways <laughs> is a trick. You're tricking yourself mm-hmm. into doing artistic work that is hard. Yeah. It's actually harder than math homework. Yeah, it's harder like, than math homework. Like but, math homework's easy. Yeah. Math homework's a breeze compared to sitting down and being like, how do I feel about my dad? Yeah. <laughs> how do I feel about my dad? And, and then you're writing down these things that hurt when you write yes. them down. You're like, oh, that doesn't feel good. Like, am I a mama's boy? Like, And then breaking down being like, okay, what way, in what ways am I a mama's boy? Okay, well, uh, I guess I have to call her all the time. Like all these embarrassing yes. things that I'm not about to tell an audience. And then sometimes it doesn't work. Like I just told them like, yeah, I have to call my mom to know my allergies and they didn't laugh. Yeah, no, it's embarrassing because <laughs> essentially like, Pete Holmes and I always talk about how the best comedy is telling secrets to an audience. Yeah, yeah. Telling your telling secrets that you have to strangers. Mm-hmm. And when you tell a secret to the audience, and they're like, we don't care. It's <laughs> yeah. really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Go on. What else? Yeah, what else? Is that that's not really funny. That's kind of yeah, sad. Yeah. When they go on, like, I do like what the audience makes some type of response because I'm learning. But when an audience member says ah to a thing that I did not feel bad about before, yeah. I then immediately feel like, Oh, this isn't good. Like this isn't a good thing. <laughs> like yeah. people feel bad for me up here. Okay. <sighs> Welcome to my world. I'm still living that. <laughs> yeah. You're just kind of like pointing to these things. <laughs> That's Pete Holmes calling. Oh wow. Well, put him on speaker. Yeah, put him. Hey Pete, I'm recording the podcast right now. I got you on speaker. Old man in the pool, or like weird naked guy in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> You got a laugh from laugh. you got a laugh from Gary Simons from you. No, you got a la- big laugh from Gary Simons here, who's been opening for me on the tour. Hi, Pete. Zero from you. Love Gary. Zero from you. I was focused on the sound and making sure that the sound went into the microphone. I thought it was very funny. I really enjoyed it. I literally, I mean, this is a classic ears burning situation. It's. I was talking about you two minutes ago on the podcast. Well, I I literally mm-hmm. said on the podcast two minutes ago, I go, Pete Holmes and I always talk about, because Gary's been opening for me, and we're talking about, like, questions mm-hmm. from a new comedian to someone who's been doing it for, for a long time. Like, what are the questions you'd ask? And I said, Pete and I always talk about how you're telling secrets. In the best case scenario, you're telling secrets to the audience. Yeah. And they're laughing. You said it, you said it better than that. You said, if you're not telling secrets, who cares? <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. And then you also once said to me, you go, are we going to save our best stories for when we're dead? <laughs> Is that? Yeah, I think that's yeah. that's a, that's a fun one. Cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, we used to say that on Crashing all the time, if we're not telling secrets, who cares? And that, honestly, when I'm watching people and my eyes glaze over, I'm like, stand-ups, I mean, I'm like, well, they're not telling me a secret. I just want secrets. I just want. I'm. Secrets. It's so funny you should say that, Pete. I'm exclusively. I'm secrets only now when I watch comics. That I've become <laughs> only two. I. I'm. I'm a snob. I'm secrets only. When someone <laughs> secrets only. When yeah. someone tells me a secret on stage, and I'm going, oh, this is the real dope. <laughs> I'm like. And, I, and by the way, it doesn't have to be 
I, I like farting in my car or something stupid. It doesn't have to be a, a personal secret. The secret can be a feeling. And the, one of the jobs of the comedian is to say, no, I'm a decent person. Like, I'm kind. I'm trying to be compassionate. I'm trying to be good. But also sometimes I'm on a plane and I'm like, I don't know why, but I hate that the back of this guy's head. <laughs> I fuck this guy's head. And that's a, that's a secret. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have I a- love it. I love it. And then do you have, before I jump off, I'll call you later, but do you have any advice for Gary, who's a comic who just moved to New York two years ago and is a really funny stand-up comic and is just trying to sort of find his way? Um, you know, yeah, of course I do. I, I think it's funny that you and I talk about this so much. So the part of me is like, does Gary want to hear this? <laughs> so I'm, I'm hesitant, but I'll, I'll just say it so I can get off uh, and leave you be. I always the, the most challenging question is when would you laugh? If you were in the audience, be honest, mm. when would you laugh? That's <laughs> yeah. so it's smart. Like, it's like brutal. It, it's still when would you yeah. laugh is so smart. When would you laugh? Mm-hmm. And also, you know, I, I just feel like when you're coming up, attach yourself you're a product of your environment and you know you you want to be a creature of a place not yes. just a thing but a place so like watch your place like your geography mm-hmm. and partner and sidle up to the people that are at your level that you admire and also uh, the people that are just half a click ahead of you doing the rooms you'd like to be doing yeah. have the career that you'd like to be having but not you know not huge ahead of you, just a little bit ahead of you. I just sort of copy them. We call mm-hmm. that Burger Kinging because Burger King only opens where McDonald's is art. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Burger King saves billions of dollars or millions of dollars mm-hmm. doing no research on where to open <laughs> because they just open where McDonald's is. Dude. So like are you, have you done a bit about this? <laughs> No, it's just advice I give. Oh, no, this is great. This is Mm -hmm. great. You should Mm -hmm. put that in your act. Yeah. Oh, really? I would put that in your act, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it would fit. Um, I love that you love it. Someday, Mikey, I want to perform for 300 years. You know what I'm (laughs) saying? Because you love the most interesting, like you want it, you know, and I'm (laughs) so many bits and things, interesting thoughts get cut because I just want to mow it down. You know, I want to mow it down. But with a Birbiglia crowd, I'm like, chew gum, put my hand in my pocket and just kind of talk from my heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I love you. I love you too. Bye-bye. Bye, bye. Gary. When John Mulaney and I spent a lot of years sort of traveling together and touring, talking comedy, mm-hmm. and we would, we always talked about how if you, when you write a joke, if you imagine a laugh, yeah, there's no laugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's my issue. <laughs> I um, when I'm writing, I just th- like I, th- it's all of it feels very funny, and then you try it on stage, and then you're like, oh, that one line was funny. That one thing, no, is kind of humorous. You really, I really, I really think you you have to make yourself laugh. Mm-hmm. You have to get every joke to be something that is funny. It honestly is so funny that you're dying to tell somebody. Yeah, and I think that secrets point is the thing that actually makes me the laugh most. Is like when I say something that feels kind of vulnerable, but I feel so like it feels so true that it's almost like 
it's like I actually don't mind sharing it because it's so true to me. It makes me laugh that I actually yeah. feel this way. Yeah. Um, or something is so like I have a joke where I'm, that I'm working on. That's um, my brother's getting married, and I'm excited for him. I'm happy for him, um, but I'm also kind of worried because I've only ever been to one other wedding. And those people got divorced. <laughs> and then a few years ago, I found out they got remarried to each other <laughs> and I wasn't invited. <laughs> so I'm bad luck, right? Like, so I'm bad luck. And <laughs> that's, that's great. like, that makes me, like, that part makes me laugh because it's like a very true feeling. I'm like, why wasn't, like, all I'm thinking about is why wasn't I invited? And they're, and they're still together now. Like, what was it? <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, that actually speaks to the clip that went viral of your from your Instagram, which is that you're an overthinker. Yeah. Which is like, Mm-hmm. Um, like, can you say your overthinker joke so people yeah. know what it is? Um, so basically, I'm an overthinker. Um, which, <laughs> if you know someone who's an overthinker, don't tell us we're overthinking it. <laughs> we know, <laughs> and it's insulting to think that you would think that we haven't thought that we're overthinking it. I'm <laughs> like, we don't need your underthinking thoughts. Yeah, we don't need basically, your underthinking thoughts. I love that joke. It, yeah. It's very economical. Mm-hmm. It's like one of my favorite one of your jokes because it establishes. Who you are, what your point of view is, mm-hmm. and then, and then, interestingly, it helps jokes like the one you just told me, yeah. which is to say that you think you're bad luck for weddings or whatever. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I can't be, but it feels like that. But because it, in the set list, if you put the overthinker joke before that, mm-hmm. then the wedding story, which is a good story on its own, yeah, is heightening of the premise that is that you're an overthinker. Mm-hmm. So in other words, like if you put overthinker in the front of your set, mm-hmm. you're actually setting up for a lot more success in other jokes that you have that are true to you. And this, by the way, is what Neil Brennan said on this podcast before too, is Neil always has this great analogy, which is as, as comedians, mm-hmm. our brains are the internet before the internet existed. <laughs> yeah. They can't stop associating yeah, and clicking to this and clicking to this and clicking to this and clicking to this. And our job as comedians is to slow that down, analyze it, write it down, take copious notes, Mm -hmm. look at the notes later and go, aha, there's the funny part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like our whole, it's oddly like our whole job is overthinking, which is, Probably drives people nuts. Probably drives people nuts in your personal life, mm-hmm. Gary. For, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, as a comedian, I think it's not only a strength, but it's like oddly essential. Um, it's funny that you say that thing about it affecting people in my personal life. <laughs> I have a girlfriend, and I mean, one trying to have this hustle of like becoming a stand-up comedian and also managing a relationship, managing a job can be a lot. And one when you're in a relationship, like being the annoying person who's always like when Jim Gaffigan said like being married to a comedian is like being married to a conspiracy theorist. Yes. I'm just curious, like what advice do you have for a comedian who's in a relationship and like how on one end to manage that and like one's own career and also just like being a good like partner? that person. It's funny, your shirt says, be kind always. If you (laughs) you open that out to camera, be kind always. I think that's a good rule of thumb. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's it's trying to, and of course, I'm not doing this probably as well as I should be. And I always have to think about that. This in relation to uh, Jenny and Una and my friends and my family is Mm -hmm. like, 
trying to put yourself in their shoes. Like what I try to do with jokes, like I have jokes about about having children and having a child and being married and, and all this stuff. I always try to see it from their perspective also to mm-hmm. to complicate and make more um, deep, really to, to deepen uh, what the joke itself is mm-hmm. so that we're actually not just seeing Gary's point of view about mm-hmm. his relationship. We're seeing Gary's and actually a taste of his girlfriend's perspective of him. Yeah. And a little taste of what his parents feel about him when he talks about them and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Um, and because I feel like it actually, it does more for making the the jokes that you're telling mm-hmm. a, a more real experience for the audience. Yeah. Because life doesn't have a single perspective. Yeah. It doesn't even have two. Mm-hmm. But if you have five, six perspectives on the same thing, mm-hmm. I think you can start to have a deeper experience with the audience. Mm. Okay. I want to, I do, I do want to help out all of the other comedians who are listening, young okay. comedians listening to this. So can I blitz through some like yeah. what I thought were general comedian yep. questions? Okay. So one question is how do you get an hour? How do you, where do you go from I've just moved to New York to I now have an hour of stand up that I'm doing around the city and the the country? Like how do you go from nothing to an hour? I think the goal is when you're starting out to come up with at first 5 minutes that works anywhere. Mm-hmm. And when I say anywhere, I mean anywhere. Yeah. It works at a bar mitzvah. It works at a birthday party. It works at a comedy club. You know what I mean? It works in an alternative room. It works at a mainstream room. It works mm-hmm. in the, in Kentucky. It works in Boston. Yeah. Five minutes mm-hmm. where you know, no matter what, that's going to work. Yeah. And once you do that, I think you start to go, can I do that for 15? Mm-hmm. Can I do that for 25? Then it's, can I do it for 45? Mm-hmm. And then I think it's for, for an hour. Okay. Um, and and and, beca- and part of the, those time increments have to do with the conventions of stand-up comedy. So, for example, mm-hmm. at a comedy club like the DC Improv, which is where I started out working the door, mm-hmm. the MC does fifteen minutes. Okay. The feature act does twenty-five to thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and the headliner does forty-five minutes to an hour. In my case, I do like an, like seventy or eighty. Yeah. And so I think thinking in relation to those being the stair steps. Mm-hmm. Are just honestly, they're just convenient markers. Okay. Uh, next question is: uh, How do you? How does someone get booked at a club? This is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> truly, truly yeah. impossible. I mean, and Pete Holmes and I talk about this all the time. The challenge at this moment in time for someone like you—you mm-hmm. you graduated from school in 2021. Yeah. When I came up in comedy in the late '90s, if you look at if you look at the wider picture of stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. the late the '90s w- was a bear market for stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. and currently we are in a, a bull market for stand-up yeah. comedy. So if the question is, what do you do if you want to get booked? Mm-hmm. I think part of it goes back to what Pete was saying, which is like aligning yourself with comedians who you think are funny. Mm-hmm. So if they have a show, they'll book you on their show. You book, you can book them on your show, mm-hmm. and you'll feel good about it because you're like, oh, they're funny, I'm funny. It's yeah. it's it's this mutually beneficial thing. And then, honestly, it's like 
Stage time. Stage time. It's, a majority of it is stage time. And that, mm-hmm. that's why when way back six months ago, when you were like, what do you think I should do mm-hmm. with my standup as it is? I'm just like, you need stage time. And, yeah. it, and, it, and it was lucky. It was a lucky thing. It just so happened. I was doing some club dates mm-hmm. and- and I and I was like, well, you could come out and and do this, and mm-hmm. and you, I feel like your act has improved in the last six months, fifty, sixty percent. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's improved so much, and that stage time thing. Just I can't like say it like more like stage time really. You just it's like you learn through doing. It's like do as many shows as you possibly can because you'll learn something new through going through it. Yeah, as much as like thinking about it. Like I'll have friends who say, "Oh, I kind of want to start stand up comedy." I'm like, "Do it," because you will learn something as soon as you do your first open mic. Like you will learn what it feels like to be up there, and then you'll learn what it feels like to do it over and over and over again if you just keep going. I think it's a perfect time for me to say at Gary from Connecticut, <laughs> where in, where you reached on Instagram, mm-hmm. message Gary if you are honestly. Anywhere, yeah. Because I think I think Gary would entertain stand-up <laughs> yeah. comedy offers from almost anywhere. I think if yeah. you said you're in Montana right yeah. now, I anywhere. think Gary would say, "I would go. I would be maybe. there. Maybe. I mean, well, you yeah, try to I would figure go. it out. I'll figure it out. I would, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll just yeah. say I'll be, I'll be there. But particularly in New York, in <laughs> yeah. the tri-state area. Yeah. Um, let's go to another one. Um, when should someone get a manager agent? How do you get a manager agent? Okay. This is, I believe, this is the, the, a fundamental mistake of uh, young comics, writers, et cetera, starting out. Mm-hmm. Is they're focused on agent, manager, et cetera, et cetera, representatives. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say that is essentially your representative is someone who, and I don't have a manager, I have an agent. Um, uh, my my stand-up agent is someone I've worked with, Mike Berkowitz, for 23, 23 years, 22 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, your agent is an extension of what it is you're doing and what level you're at. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if you were to uh, get signed by an agent tomorrow, mm-hmm. based on where you're at, think about what 10% of that is. Yeah. Well, you're not making that much money. Mm-hmm. Making... 50 bucks a show, 100 bucks a show yeah. at the level you're at, whatever it is, mm-hmm. even 200, 300. Let's say uh, high end, 300, mm-hmm. 30 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like that's what the agent is making, making. 30 bucks. Yeah. And that's a big win. Yeah. For you. You're like mm-hmm. 300 bucks is great. Yeah. That's that's chopping out part of my rent for the month. Yeah. Great. Helping me out with some stuff. Yeah. So I think you have to think in relation to a lot of times in this in this industry, people are like, oh, I can't get an agent. Oh, mm-hmm. I can't get a manager. It's like, well, you're worthless to an agent or manager <laughs> right now. Yeah. Right now. I mm-hmm. think that what happens is you need to be your own agent and manager mm-hmm. early on in your career. You need to be when I when I moved to New York, mm-hmm. I had a phone book out. <laughs> this is back when phone books existed. Yeah. And I was looking up comedy clubs across the country and I would cold call them. Mm-hmm. I had I, I had a spreadsheet uh, that had all the comedy clubs that were in America, mm-hmm. and I would cold call them every day, like I was a telemarketer, and yeah. I was I was my own agent. Mm-hmm. The other thing is like you start to get things. If things are going really well, you yeah. maybe get booked at Moon Tower Festival or just for laughs in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Like in, in, you know, in my case, like 
I got booked at the New Faces at Just for Laughs. And that really changed everything because a lot of agents and managers became familiar with me. Yeah. And so then it becomes a conversation. I think one of the traps is that you get excited that an agent or manager wants to sign you. Mm -hmm. Cut to, they sign you, they do nothing. Yeah. The reason they're doing nothing could be any number of things. But one of them is there's no money in you for them. (laughs) True. And there's nothing worse than being just in a relationship where the moment you're in it, you're like, I want to break up with this person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I'm now legally obligated to stay with them for at least a year. That's crazy. (laughs) And then weirdly, like, and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be disparaging to agents and managers. People, some people are great at it. Some people are terrible at it. That's just the nature of every job. Yeah. But the ones that are terrible at it are really terrible at it. (laughs) And and oddly, like, they don't want you to break up with them. Yeah. And so then you're in this weird situation where you're like, you're kind of invested with this person who you don't really even trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're just going, how do I get out of this? Yeah. So I I would say don't be afraid to be your own agent for as long as As it takes. Yeah, as long as you possibly can. Okay. Two questions. What are good day jobs to have if you want to be a stand-up comedian? This is a great question. This is a great question because I've seen it done many ways. Mm-hmm. So like Jesse Klein has been a guest on the show, one of my favorite comedy writers, favorite comedians. She had a day job at Comedy Central mm-hmm. for years. She was a big executive. Yeah. She was like a major, major executive. And, and so that's a path. A path mm-hmm. is... Staying in comedy yeah. and, and being super focused and then also writing comedy, et cetera. That's a path. Mm-hmm. Another path is um, staying so far away from comedy, it's ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. working at a cafe. Yeah. You know, d- skipping work sometimes. Yeah. Getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> getting fired. Sometimes all it takes is to get fired. Well, that's what I would do. That's what I did. I mean, mm-hmm. truthfully, like I worked at the door of a comedy club, which was an example of like being uh, adjacent to the business, yeah. seeing, witnessing a lot, mm-hmm. which I always recommend, by the way. I always recommend young comics who want to learn, mm-hmm. get a job. This the same thing with theater yeah. or movies. You Get a job in a movie theater. Yeah. You watch all the movies. Yeah. <laughs> you want to learn how to make movies? Watch, watch 200 movies. Yeah. Same with theater, be an usher. Get in the room. Get yeah. in the room. Get Stand-up room. comedy. Work the door. Watch a lot of comedians. When I mm-hmm. started out, it was like I was watching George Lopez and Dave Chappelle and Brian Regan and Mitch Hedberg and Kathleen Madigan yeah. and Margaret Cho and all these people. And I'm going, oh, I'm learning everything. Mm-hmm. This is this is comedy college. So so I I think you can go either way. I mm-hmm. think you can have a job where you go, I don't care about this job. I can mm-hmm. get fired, get another job. Yeah. Or you can do what I what I was describing as like the Jesse Klein route, which is like be in the business. Yeah. Which I think I did a mix of both where I started in insurance. And yes. then I now work like for the Working Out podcast company. Yeah. So it's now that pivot there. Um, and then the follow-up question. So the next question is when when is it a good time to leave a day job for stand-up? When do you know? They'll sure. tell you. They'll tell you. Gary, I brought you here today (laughs) on camera for a very special announcement. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be be the ultimate insane move. That would be insane to low-key fire someone on camera. (laughs) To low-key be like, you you actually don't, you don't have a job anymore. You don't have a job. You employ yourself. What? Well, this question answers itself. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> no, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, honestly, it's like it comes down to when, when your when your artistic job is mm-hmm. paying enough bills or close to enough bills mm-hmm. that you can make a leap towards the next lily pad, so to speak. Okay. It's not cut and dry though. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 on you to figure out, and and it's also it's also risk based, right? So it's like mm-hmm. you think about you think about that your own time is valuable. Yeah. And in a certain way, when you're starting out in comedy, you're putting a value on your own time and you're taking a risk that your time is worth as much mm-hmm. as you think it's gonna be for someone else. Yeah. So, so in other words, like when I was starting out, it's like at a certain point, I took a risk. Okay, I'm not gonna do it my day job this is probably when I was 23, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do a day job um, for these three months. Mm-hmm. And I think I can cobble together enough stand-up comedy to make that work. Mm-hmm. And it worked, but also for a lot of people, it didn't work. So you leave, you decide you're going to do three months, this three months you're not going to have a job, yeah, and see if you can make it work. Are there points where you want to give up, like where you want to stop, where you get close? Because you didn't. But did you get close at any point? Right now, today, I want to give up. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you never don't want to give up, Mm. weirdly. There's never not some part of you that thinks, wait, what am I doing? Yeah. This This is nuts. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Thrive Market, which is an online grocery store that specializes in healthy, organic, sustainable products. You go to thrivemarket.com. You take a quiz. Quizzes are fun, right? How about a quiz that helps you eat healthier? You answer a few questions about the way you shop for groceries, and then you got a whole customized selection of items. It's tailored specifically to your lifestyle, your favorite foods, your dietary preferences, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Here at the office, it's our go-to for all of our grocery and household essentials. When you join Thrive Market, you are helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash perbigs for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash perbigs. Thrivemarket.com slash perbigs. Support for Working It Out comes from Allbirds. You know I love Allbirds. My character on Billions wears Allbirds. The Mike Birbiglia character in my last two Broadway shows and specials, Where's Allbirds? I, in my real life, walking around Brooklyn, wear Allbirds. Warmer temps mean super light styles. This is a new thing for them. Meet the super light collection. Allbirds' lightest ever shoes, now in fresh colors. A lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these some of the most packable styles ever I love these shoes. I just throw them in my backpack. My wife makes fun of me. Jenny makes fun of me because I essentially pack nothing for trips. I go one backpack. Allbirds make the cut. Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit allbirds.com 
and use code WIO, that's for working it out, WIO for a free pair of socks with a purchase of 48 bucks or more. That's allbirds.com, A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code WIO, that's for working it out. What are jokes that you have in your act right now Mm -hmm. that we could talk out what a process could be for for that joke or that you feel like there could be growth there? I have a thing about being like a mama's boy and how like part of the issue of being a mama's boy is the fear that like one day I'll have to choose between like my mom and my girlfriend. Yes. And it's kind of like this fear of like, what if like my mom and my girlfriend were hanging off a cliff? Like, yes. And the hard truth, knowing that I'm a mama's boy, <laughs> Gary's about to say this on air. The hard truth <laughs> is that I would, I would probably, at this point in my life, I'd probably save my mom. Right. Because, Sophie's choice between your mom and your girlfriend, yeah, saving one or the other. Yeah, I'd probably, probably save your mom. Probably save my mom because, um, because <laughs> like my mom knows my allergies. And like, yeah, yeah. It's like I know my allergies, but like my mom knows my allergies. And the part that I like, I, I don't really laugh at is the part where I then continue and kind of give an example of like, an example of which I call my mom. So I'll be like, oh, mom, can I eat like shrimp? And she's like, no, Gary, you're allergic to shellfish. You're allergic to shellfish. So so I've seen this joke a lot. That's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I'm not maybe laughing as much because the surprise is not there. But mm-hmm. um, my inclination, my pause, and I like the joke, but my pause when I hear the joke mm-hmm. is the phrase mama's boy. Mm-hmm to me feels oddly like outdated. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, the phrase mama's boy was outdated. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. maybe it came into common vernacular recently. Yeah. Or maybe you're pulling it from something that I just don't know that well. Mm-hmm. And in which case, I think it's worth extrapolating out to the audience. A, did someone call you a mama's boy? Is mm-hmm. there a specific anecdote where you go like, one time, you know, my brother, this person, my friend, said to me, you know what? You're a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. B, to use Ira Glass's note, he always says, how did that make you feel? Yeah. And then C, go into the stuff that you're saying about, you know, I'm a mama's boy and then your jokes about it. Because I feel mm-hmm. like we're missing currently, in the current version of the joke, I actually think we're missing the bridge to the mama's boy concept. Okay. Like I always think of jokes in terms of like, you're flying people on a rocket ship to a planet. Mm-hmm. And the planet essentially is the joke. Yeah. And it's a, it's a universe of stuff mm-hmm. and ideas. And once you get there, then you spend time pointing out what the vegetation looks like, mm-hmm. pointing out the craters and making observations about what's there. But I think, oddly, you're a little bit missing the rocket ship. Yeah. Like, in other words, I think your planet is there. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you're, you have a, a transportation mode to get there. I haven't gotten them there yet. I haven't there. I, I'm just personally reacting to it in the way that I feel when I hear it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, I'm laughing, but I'm a little bit going, yeah, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. That you're a mama's boy. Like, I kind of know what that means, but I mm-hmm. also kind of don't. Yeah. And then as context for the audience, the joke continues into saying, I'm a mama's boy. Like, I love my mom in a normal way. Like there are not yes, normal yes, ways. Yes, I love that. <laughs> like there are not normal ways you can love your mom, and you can find those online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I love I my love mom that. in a normal way. Yeah. Um. And and then it's like my dad will get upset that I'm a mom's boy. He'll say like, Gary, like uh, you're always up under your mom. Like how come 
you're not a daddy's boy. Mm. And I'm like, because that sounds like you're my pimp daddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I love that joke. I, again, mm-hmm. I have a caveat in my mind, which is, did that happen? So, yeah. Did your dad say it? And if he did say it, did he say those words? Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is this thing I say all the time. Pete Holmes, mm-hmm. my closest friends, people who have been doing this 20 years. I go, did that happen? Yes. If so, what was the exact phrasing? Because I think the exact phrasing might help. Okay. Yes. Well, going through your exercise of like, of did someone call me that? It's yes, my dad called me that. And then what did he say exactly? Like, there'd be moments where he would just get frustrated at something I was doing. Like He'd be like, oh, Gary, you want to go fishing with me today? And I'd be like, no, like I was actually going to like play with my action. I was going to play with my action figures and my toys. I like I had a whole day planned. And then he'd be like, Gary, like how come you don't want to be outside? Like I was always outside when I was your age. I was like, you couldn't keep me from being outside. I used to cry when they told me to come inside. And then all you want to be is inside. Uh, like you're just a mom, like you're a mama's boy. Like you always want to be up under your mom. You want to go with your mom to places. I'm going to stop you right there yeah. and say, if I were you, I would lead with that story. Yeah. Then when you get to the dad saying mm-hmm. you're a mama's boy, as though it just occurred to you. Yeah. I want to talk about mama's boys for a second. Because yeah. I think maybe I am yeah. one, but joke, 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 joke. You've yeah. already written. It's like, yeah. And that's already working. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like can I can I talk about mom's before? Like I love my mom. Yeah, yeah. I think it, like exactly. I love her in a normal way. I think you're good. Yeah, yeah. I think you're good there. Yeah. Because I think like for me, I completely find a way into your joke through mm-hmm. the perspective of you and the perspective of your dad. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's an old school thing to say. Mm-hmm. Well, your dad's an older guy. Yeah. So then start. So maybe unpack more stuff with my dad, like the relationship with my dad. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love that. And um, yeah, I think that those ideas pivot one to the next, I think, really clean, yeah. very cleanly. Yeah. Craig Mazin said this yeah. thing, who's a guest on the show and mm-hmm. created The Last of Us and did Chernobyl and many, many, many comedies. He said this thing to me when I was asking advice on a script recently where I, where he goes, it's not about the characters, it's about the relationship between the characters. Yeah. What we're, we're, we're obsessed with is how do these characters relate to one another? So mm-hmm. the thing with your dad is not as much about your dad as a character or even you as a character. It's about what is your relationship? What yeah. is the dynamic? When mm-hmm. people see that and they go, oh my God, that's me. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. On each episode of The Big Flop, comedians join Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? There are some great guests on the show. Sam Sanders, Ron Funches, Rachel Dratch, a whole bunch of other people I really like. Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then ranked by a panel of judges. Unsurprisingly, it led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Other recent topics, Millie Vanilli, the XFL, and Woodstock 1999. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery+. Plus. Working It Out is brought to you in part by Helix Mattresses. Helix Mattresses is one of our original sponsors. We all love Helix Mattresses. I just love the convenience of it. Showed up in a box, took it out, it's ready to go. Uh, The temperature control of it's great. There's certain mattresses that make you hot or sweaty. 
But it's a very temperature-controlled mattress. It's one of the things. Enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And it's exactly what it does. I think it's kind of amazing. There are models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. There are models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. People, are you with me? Get your best sleep while Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. It's their best offer yet. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. No, now. The thing we should end on is working it out for a cause. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there an organization that you think is doing a good job that you want us to contribute to and then we'll link to them in the show notes yeah um connecticut uh food share i um i'm from connecticut and so i think that they're a great cause of, well um, we always uh we're always supportive of food banks here mm-hmm. we always I, I give to a lot of food banks that uh, in cities that i tour in because uh, i always feel like the, the way that they stretch a dollar is really impressive and it's a very important uh, important issue right now um and so we're going to contribute to Connecticut Food Share. We're going to link to ctfoodshare.org. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks, Gary. This is, uh, yeah, no. I, I, I think you're doing great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, one, for the opportunity to be able to open for you. And thank you for the opportunity on the podcast. I appreciate it. Working it because it's not done. Working it because there's no one. That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. Gary Simons is a great comedian and I think is is headed up, up and away. He's uh, on a phenomenal trajectory. You should follow him on Instagram. He's at Gary from Connecticut. And if you want to message him on Instagram, you should. And see if you, he wants to do your show uh, wherever it is. I don't know if he's going to do it. I'm not, I'm not committing him to it. I'm just saying you can ask him. If you run a club or you run a comedy room or you run a bar where you have a comedy show, just ask him. You can watch the full video of this on our YouTube page. It's my Mike Birbiglia YouTube channel. Uh, we've had a bunch of great episodes on there. Uh, Hasan Minhaj, uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan, Ira Glass. I just, I, we love that we've added that YouTube channel. Uh, because uh, so many more people have just found the show. Our producers of Working Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia, associate producer Mabel Lewis, assistant producer Gary Simons. What? That was just the other guy. Sound mix by Shub Saren. Supervising engineer Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz, Josh Upfall, David Raphael, and Nina Quick. My consigliere is Mike Berkowitz. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Always a special thanks to my wife, the great poet J-Hope Stein. And as always, a special thanks to our daughter, Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. If you're enjoying the show, write a little thing on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. You can t- Here's what you can tell them. I found a new comedian I enjoy. His name's Gary Simons. He's just starting out, but this guy's going big. All right, thanks for listening. We're working it out, everybody. See you next time.